Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Sports on a Sunday Morning. There's a swing and a long one. That's a goner for Bader. Touchdown, Kansas City. Johnson pops a three. Oh, the Bayou Billiken says I'm involved too. On America's Sports Toys, KMOX. Thank you, BK. And for those of you who want to go back and listen to last hour, our tribute to Bob Plager, and we also talked some Cardinals with Mike Claiborne at 1015. Kelly Chase joined us at 1030. He was terrific, as you would expect, and so was Ron Jacober. All three of them were. He was at 1045. Ron was. You can hear it all on our radio.com app. Just use the rewind feature to listen back to the 10 o'clock hour, or it'll be up in just a little bit. James O'Sullivan, our producer, putting it up as a podcast, Sports on a Sunday Morning. You can subscribe to Sports on a Sunday Morning. It'll just pop right into your phone. I'm a subscriber. I'm also the host of the show, and my name is Tom Ackerman. It's good to be along with you. Uh, you can subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, uh, on right on the website, KMOX.com, radio.com, and it just shows up on your phone. It's great, and you can listen to it anytime you want. We try to give you all the information you could possibly need. This hour, we shift gears and talk some college basketball and baseball, two things that are the signs of spring. John Mosellock, Cardinals president of baseball operations, will be live with us at 11.30 from Jupiter, where the Cardinals are getting set for a ball game today. 11.55, we take you to the booth with Mike Shannon, John Rooney, Ricky Horton, Mike Claiborne, and Jim Jackson for the Cardinals and the Washington Nationals. Matthew Liberator is the starting pitcher today. Adam Wainwright's been moved to tomorrow, where he will piggyback with Carlos Martinez. Carlos will follow him in the final start of the day. Tomorrow's game against the Mets is an 11.05 first pitch, 10.55 for the pregame. So just be aware of that tomorrow morning here on KMOX, the final game of the Grapefruit League schedule. Again, Mo at 11.30. We'll hear a little bit of Mike Schilt from his Zoom with the media just before the game today an 11.55 broadcast. Let's talk a little college basketball before Mike DeCourcy joins us from the Sporting News, and we'll get his thoughts on everything that's happening around college hoops. But first things first, let's look at what happened yesterday. And I thought it was a very exciting game. I think the best game of all of them was definitely Arkansas and Oral Roberts. Now, Oral Roberts, the darlings of the NCAA tournament, they came in hot, too. I mean, Max Asmus was knocking down shots, shooting from long range. He is a fun player, nation's leading scorer. And you thought, are they going to do this again? Oral Roberts, who beat Ohio State, who beat Florida, are they going to beat Arkansas and advance the Elite Eight, becoming the first 15 seed ever to do it? 
They were up big, and they were up seven at the half, but Arkansas is really tough. And here they came. Arkansas started to make shots, started to hit mid-range Jays, started to hit from the outside. And ultimately, the winning basket was Devontae Davis hitting a short jumper. He's good, that lefty. Hit a nice shot with 2.9 seconds left, and the Razorbacks were up 72-70. But this was not over. They had to design a full-court play to get it into the hands. You knew they were going to go to Acemas, and they got it to him. But his three, which was on the mark, just missed off the left side of the rim. He said it was good coming out of his hand, but it missed. It would have won the game for Oral Roberts, and it would have gone down as one of the great shots in March Madness history. As it turns out, Arkansas wins the game 72-70, to so they advance to the Elite Eight. Also moving on yesterday, Oregon State knocking out Loyola. The 12th-seeded Oregon State Beavers have reached the Elite Eight for the first time in 39 years. If they make it to the Final Four, it'll be the first time since 1963. They beat Loyola 65-58. That game was not all that exciting. It was a little slower. Uh, Loyola was trying to grind it out, could not, and they just got a little taste of their own medicine as Loyola is all about defense, and Oregon State, very impressive, surprising to me, actually how good they are defensively. I think there's a reputation that the teams out in the West Coast maybe a little softer than these hard-nosed teams from the Midwest and from the SEC. That's not the case. I mean, that but Pac-12 is tough, and they've got some really good teams out there, and Oregon State gets the win 65-58 over Loyola. So Porter Moser now will be the talk of the coaching carousel, and we'll see where he ends up going uh, or if he decides to stay at Loyola, which – is a really good situation for him. It's in Chicago. He recruits well. They're the kings of the Valley. They're going to be really good every year. They treat him well. He's happy there. We'll see, though. Money usually um, makes uh, things move in the college basketball coaching world. Uh, Also yesterday, Kelvin Sampson. What a performance by Houston. They just smothered Syracuse. 62-46 was the fall in that one. They just locked down Buddy Bayheim, who had a really rough day shooting-wise, and really Syracuse just overall couldn't shoot the ball. Bayheim 12 points on 3 of 13 shooting as Houston goes on to win that game. And Baylor usually shoots the ball well. Didn't, but it didn't matter. They just beat up uh, Villanova 62-51 in that game. Looked really good defensively as well. So those teams moved on. Oregon State, Baylor, Houston, uh, it looked really, really good uh, yesterday with that win, and Arkansas. The games today, you have Gonzaga taking on Creighton. That one will tip off in just a couple of hours. Gonzaga is easily the best team in this tournament. I mean, there's not a number close number two in my opinion. Baylor maybe, but Gonzaga is just outstanding, and it's going to take a Herculean effort, I think, to beat this team. They are a 13-point favorite over Creighton today. Florida State plays Michigan. Michigan, a two-point favorite. The one seed against the four, Florida State. That's anybody's game. That'll tip at 4 o'clock. 6-15 game, UCLA. They've been on a run here. They're going to face some tough competition today in Alabama. Alabama is scary good. They're a six-and-a-half-point favorite. And then the Pac-12 battle tonight, the late one, 845, Oregon and USC. The Trojans, a two-point favorite in that game. We'll get thoughts on that game, on coaching moves possibly happening around college basketball very soon. All of that and more from Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News. He is our guest next. It's 11-12 on Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX.
from KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. Oh, yeah! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Tom Ackerman back with you at 11.15, and really appreciate all of our guests up to this point, including this one, and that's the great basketball writer from the Sporting News. He's appeared on so many great television productions, and he's been on KMOX over the years. It's great to hear from Mike DeCourcy again on KMOX Radio. How are you, Mike? I am well, Tom. How are you? I'm doing great. College basketball is alive and well, as the Elite Eight will add four more teams today. Have you enjoyed the tournament so far? There have been some good ones yesterday. Boy, that Arkansas Earl Roberts game was really something, wasn't it? Yeah, the ter- basketball has been terrific. Uh, uh, we have seen some things we don't usually see. A 15 seed making the Sweet 16, that's only happened once before. We've got a 12 seed making the Elite Eight, which I think has only happened once before, and that happened to be uh, fairly close to home for you guys, Missouri, back in 2002. So uh, it's it's been uh, an unusual year. I think that some of the results we're seeing have to be traced to the nature of the season, how un- uncommon it's been, the lack of prep time for certain teams, uh, how that's impacted the, the ability of freshmen to deliver. But uh, it's it's certainly been an entertaining year, and it's a it's a massive improvement over what basketball we saw last March, which was basically none. Oh, my gosh. Amen to that. I mean, just to have basketball again, to have the CBS theme music playing, to have the studio hosts talking, to have the play-by-play familiar voices that we hear, the squeak of the shoes, you know, all that stuff means a lot. I mean, the basketball itself, but to have those familiar sounds again, March Madness has stood the test of time and ranks up there with the all-time great sporting events, doesn't it, Mike? It does, and it's funny how... People who aren't really, really uh, part of it, they may be uh, casual followers. Um, all of a sudden, because we had a different schedule this year, and it's you know, you're you're playing. You started the tournament on a Friday and played a lot of the first round games on the weekend, and then we had the Sweet 16 yesterday and today with the open windows where you only have one game at a time going on. So now everybody's decided this is better than what we had. We we loved what we had for. 35 years, but now this is better. I mean, it's just amazing how quickly there are people who think that everything that's different is better, not what we've enjoyed for 35 years and and, and had such a, a, a great relationship with. Now, because there's been something a little different, we've seen, okay, that's got to be better. You know, I want to keep this theme going, that we're going to go into some particulars about these teams, but... Here's something that I would like. So let's grab some of these casual fans even more. we got to figure out a way to get the regular season more interesting to them. And I think one thing that was lost this year, among others, was that home crowd. I, I really think the charm of college basketball is not necessarily, and I love the elimination of the tournament, but not necessarily neutral sites. It's about Allen Fieldhouse and, you know, Cameron and Assembly Hall and places that rock with bands and cheerleaders and student sections, that's college basketball. That's the attraction. And somehow getting the best games on TV with the best atmospheres is what's going to move it, I think. Well, I mean, we've had that, though. Uh, This year, what we didn't, uh, and and for obvious reasons, and certainly it was the the right thing to do, and and it was better to play with no crowds than to not play at all. Uh, but it, I, I think that, I, I, first of all, I think that the 
regular season is less appreciated, is more appreciated than people realize. The appreciation of the regular season is less appreciation than it, less, less appreciated than it should be. Uh, the, the ratings for regular season games, people look at an individual game and say, well, X number of people watch that game and forget that there were 20 other games televised at some point that night. Uh, that you you got to add it all up, man. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> there are there are uh, almost every game in almost every major conference is televised nationally uh, to a, to a to a vast audience. The only exceptions to that are a few in the uh, Big Twelve that are only on uh, the internet, and a few in the ACC that might go to uh, regional networks. Uh, the Pac-12, I guess, I don't know, technically, I guess the Pac-12 network is available nationally. It's just not available to a lot of people. Uh, but uh, I, I think if you look at it, uh, that you're, you're, when you add up all the people who are watching college basketball on a given night, it's more than people realize. I think it's a great point, Mike, and I, it's such a great sport, and I, I love that. And if that message can get across to more people and keep spreading the word uh, and, and let that perception be out there, certainly this is a sport that will continue to thrive. Love college basketball and love talking to Mike DeCourcy, the sporting news about it. And I actually think now as an Indiana alum, okay, uh, I'm, I'm not pleased with the fact that there's still an undefeated team out there. I am mesmerized by him. I, I don't know how anybody beats Gonzaga. I know there are some contenders out there. How do you beat them, Mike? How do you knock off the top team in America? Well, I think, first of all, you have to slow them down, the, their offensive attack. And so something like what Baylor did to Villanova yesterday when they went to their matchup zone, I mean, they hadn't played a lot of it because they'd gotten so good at man-to-man over a period of time. And then that, lately, there's been a little bit of slippage in that, and and there was and it was still evident yesterday in the first part of the game, first uh, 35 minutes or so, or excuse me, 25 minutes or so, and so you saw at that point that they switched that matchup zone, and it really gummed up what Villanova was trying to do, and they weren't they weren't comfortable in it, uh, going against it, and and they and they weren't able to be successful, and I think something like that. Uh, from a really good team might cause problems for for Gonzaga. Uh, teams that don't see a lot of of, of zone uh, struggle against it. And I, I'm not saying that uh, Mark wouldn't be ready for that. Mark Few wouldn't be ready for that. Uh, but it's it's when you're when you're going against somebody that's vastly superior to to you in terms of talent, it usually helps to have an alternative. And that's what happened to Illinois. Uh, more offensively than defensively, they played against a system that they hadn't really seen before and didn't know 100% what to do. Creighton gets Gonzaga today at 110. The second game is Florida State and Michigan, and Leonard Hamilton has another very impressive team. Michigan, the last hope of the Big Ten. This will be, I think, a very competitive game, don't you? Absolutely. What you're seeing from Florida State is a deep, committed team, that that plays together, that uh, doesn't worry about their minutes. They're really strong defensively. Uh, Michigan's offense uh, might be able to 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 make the difference in the game uh, because Florida State can uh, can struggle to score the ball a little bit. And so at times, I mean, if, if Michigan were able to get to seventy five or seventy seven or something like that, uh, Florida State might struggle to go with them. But uh, I really like what Florida State does in terms of what Leonard Hamilton does in terms of getting his guys to play together 
and to not worry about minutes and, and individual shots and statistics and that sort of thing. It's, it's really hard to do in today's game. The third game of the day at 6.15 is UCLA and Alabama. I think Alabama's scary. I mean, the way that they can score at, sometimes at will, the way they can hit from the outside, big challenge for the Bruins today, although I've been very impressed with how UCLA has looked thus far. Mike, what do you think? I'll be interested to see what, whether Mick Cronin does something similar to what uh, – Jay Wright did yesterday with Villanova, understanding that he's somewhat at a talent disadvantage. Do you do you go with what you've done defensively, and which has just been okay? Uh, UCLA is much better offensive team than defensive. Do they try to mix things up and maybe change defenses a little bit? Do they play straight man to man? I think they'll, I think they'd have trouble uh, playing straight man against against uh, what uh, Alabama brings. Uh, so it'll be I'll be curious to see if he does something like that. Uh, I don't know that UCLA can necessarily uh, score at the level that Alabama can, especially because Alabama plays such great defense. They're one of the best defensive teams in the country. It's probably one of college basketball's big secrets is that everybody notices Alabama and how well they shoot the ball at times and sort of overlooks the fact that defensively they are really strong. Yeah, and they can convert some of that offense right out of their strong defense. And then one Pac-12 team's got to go late tonight, Oregon and USC. Oregon always well-equipped with Coach Dana Allman, but my gosh, this USC team, what in the world? I mean, they just torched Kansas. Goodness gracious. How good are they? Well, things happen in that game that that team doesn't usually do, and and I'll give you a perfect example of that. Evan Mobley, uh, their terrific freshman, uh, is is an outstanding player and be one of the first two or three players taken in the NBA draft in June. His brother's a fine player, uh, averages probably, I think, 13 points and seven rebounds, something like that. He made four, he made four or five from three-point range against Kansas in that uh, second-round game. He had made 16 three-pointers all year long. He had 16 point three-pointers in about 25 games, four and one game. When that's happening to you, <laughs> there's not much you can do. Uh, I don't know that we'll see the same from USC today. Uh, but it, it, I'll be curious to see how that game plays out because they've played before, and USC dominated the game. Uh, Oregon was really barely in it. Now, it was a road game for Oregon, so they had to play at the Galen Center and travel and all that, but obviously not much in the way of crowds. So uh, I'll be curious to see how Oregon approaches this game. That's yeah, the late game tonight at 845 Central Time. Mike DeCourcy with us from the Sporting News. And I mentioned myself as an Indiana alum, so if I'm talking coaching vacancies, I guess i got to start with that one. Uh, look, we all think at Indiana that we're a big deal, that uh, we're an elite team, a blue blood. In reality, it's a school that hasn't been to the Final Four since 2002 and hasn't won a title in 1987. That's not to take away from a rabid fan base that lives and breathes basketball and wants the best for its program. It's interesting, isn't it, how this coaching carousel goes? And we'll see. I mean, there are going to be more openings as we move along, Mike. But how do you see, first of all, Indiana's situation right now? Well, I, I, I struggle to understand what Indiana fans want at this point. I mean, they've had – they fired five coaches in the last 20 years. Now, obviously, uh, they would not have chosen uh, – the mass of the fan base would not have chosen to fire the first, Bob Knight. Uh, but the, the second, his replacement, although Mike Davis was probably not ready for that position uh, at the time, he did get them to the national championship game in his third year, I think, uh, second or third year. 
uh, there wasn't a lot of happiness there. The Kelvin Sampson thing happened. Uh, they were ready to be removed of him fairly quickly. Uh, Tom Crean uh, took over a vacant program uh, after what happened with Kelvin, and and it took a while to get it going. And then they made uh, they won the Big Ten in 2013 and didn't win it that year, in part because of what I talked about before with zone defense and all that in Syracuse, and they weren't happy with him. And, I mean, I, I think that that's where I struggle to understand what would – what would uh, make the fan base pleased? Uh, I, I think that if you could hire someone like, and I don't know that John would be interested, but someone like John Beeline, whose resume is so impeccable that there, there couldn't be any questioning of him, uh, and, then you, and then there might be the patience necessary to get it back to where it should be, uh, then I, I can understand that. But I don't know what else would fill that, fill that hole, fill the bill. Uh, who, who else will, will be given the time to build the program in the proper direction. Well, that's just the thing is that I think that, and again, I'll put myself in the delusional fan base is that you want results quickly and you want to be mentioned with the big boys and you want to be competing for titles in the big 10 and you want to stop losing to Purdue, but there is no quick fix. It, it does take time and you have to show some patience so that it is a tough question. And I think you're in a bit of a pickle here because you just let go Archie Miller, who's a mid-major successful coach. If you want to call Dayton a mid-major. And so that kind of knocks you out of, if you want to please the fan base, that is any mid-major, right? I mean, if you were to hire a mid-major coach, fans are going to be like, oh, you're just hiring another Archie Miller. Uh, you also have a booster who just wrote a $10.3 million check who probably wants to, to make it worth his or her while. So right. that's where that's, you are. That's the question, absolutely. And, and so, I, you know, I don't envy them at this point uh, having to figure out what works or what might work. Uh, you hire Chris Beard, if you could get him, say, just as an example, uh, someone who people have talked about. Chris Beard's track record is 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 more attractive than than uh, Art, uh, Archie Miller's was, but not by a ton. I mean, he had a Final Four, a national championship game appearance at Texas Tech. Uh, Archie got to an Elite Eight at Dayton. Uh, they both have about a four or five year, maybe six years in in Chris's case, uh, run of success. Uh, so that's not a huge difference, and that's why I talk about well, you're, you're happy, you'd be happy now because that's what you said you wanted, but. He wanted Archie in 2017, and, and it, that hasn't worked out. Well, we'll keep an eye on the coaching carousel for sure as we have all kinds of news that's been breaking with uh, Utah hiring Craig Smith of Utah State. The reports of Texas shock of smart going to Marquette came out, and that uh, certainly stirred things up. Uh, Oklahoma's uh, Lon Kruger is retiring. So there's a lot going on, Mike DeCourcy, and I know you'll be all over it. I want to mention a couple of things you're doing before we go. First of all, you've been a longtime columnist for the Sporting News, and we've been reading you for a long time, and we love it. You've also been a studio analyst for Big Ten Network. Work, and you've done a terrific job there. You've worked with Fox Sports on a number of projects with college basketball, but I, I want to focus on, just for a moment, uh, your Coaching for Literacy. I noticed coachingforliteracy.org. What a great push that you're doing, Mike, to, to make sure that every child has the ability to read. Tell us about that. Yeah, I, they, they approached me, I don't know, two, three, four years ago. I can't remember the time frame about uh, about just being an, an ambassador, and, and I'm not going to take much credit for, for anything other than the ambassador concept is just to sort of share what they're doing with a, with a wider audience and make people aware of what they're doing. And this year was an odd year for them 
because a lot of their events are built around games and attendance and trying to make people at, at games aware of the issue. Uh, they, they, ha- they would have coaching for literacy games uh, and, and they would make you know, make a, you know, a plea to the, to the fan base that's in the building to, to donate and to be, to be aware of this as an issue. And so this was a strange year for them, obviously, to, to be able to do that. But it's still a really important uh, – it's really an important drive. And I, I, I got involved in literacy, uh, in donating for literacy concepts probably 35 years ago. And, and it was kind of selfish in a way because I, I thought to myself, uh, you know, my job is to be read. And so the more people that read, the better it is for my job, so to speak. And I, I know that sounds awful, but I mean, I, I, I also understand that uh, what, what, what an unbelievable amount of joy I get from reading and have always gotten. Uh, what, an, uh, what, an, uh, what an amazing advantage it is to be able to pick up something and read it and understand it and, and, and how that can make one's life easier and richer. So when I say it began with a, you know, with a selfish notion, uh, I, it, it just sort of felt like, uh, like it was something that someone in the, in the writing business should be concerned about literacy. Uh, and, and someone who's in the writing business understands as well as anyone what 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 unbelievable value there is in being able to read and and being able to read easily uh, and have that be a, 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 an important part of one's life. Well, you can help uh, fight for literacy with Mike by going to coachingforliteracy.org. The, if you go on that website, it hits you with the stat right away that two in three American third graders can't read. So give the kid a power of literacy today by making a donation or just learning more about uh, literacy at coachingforliteracy.org. Mike, I really appreciate it. It's great to hear your voice on KMOX. Uh, You're a big part of the college basketball scene. It's good to talk some hoops with you, Mike. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. Thank you. I've enjoyed it as well. Have a great day. Mike DeCourcy with us on KMOX Radio. We'll take a break and talk some baseball in just 90 seconds with John Mosellock, Cardinals President of Baseball Operations. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. Oh, yeah! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Beautiful day in St. Louis. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. We're approaching 50 degrees. Nice, crisp, cool day. Not as warm as yesterday, of course. It was 75 or so here yesterday. I think it's a warm one down in Jupiter, Florida today for Cardinal Baseball, which we're going to take you to the booth in 20 minutes. Before that, a catch-up with Cardinals baseball president of baseball operations, John Mosellock, and also a proud Garage Happy Hour alum. Boy, that was fun. Well, I look forward to doing it one time when I can, like, relax and not be, uh, you know, at the game. I think then it, and actually have a cocktail would have been really fun. But, uh, I no, it was, it was uh, nice telling a few stories and catching up. Yeah, I put you in a tough position doing it from the from your own box in the stadium on a Thursday. You know, it's just that it happened to be a Thursday evening game. What are you going to do? It's a, I can't move the show off Thursday live, and, and that's how it worked. But you can go back, folks, if you want to see it. It was fun what, talking to Mo and discussing not only the Cardinals, but also his life. And it's on the Facebook page, on the Camo Exports Facebook page. A garage happy hour, always a good time. Uh, we did have a good time with that. We also did get into some nuts and bolts uh, Cardinals news, which we'll do right now. I always consider these visits like 
you know, if you're in the know, if you're in the club, then you understand. When you listen to the show and you listen to John Mozeliak, he gives you the the information, and it's it's always appreciated. I want you to know that that you uh, made it a point to come on live today when I asked, and I really appreciate that. And you know, the Cardinals are getting close here. Some decisions are to be made. First, I want to get your thoughts on KK. I think that's a, a pretty big deal that he was out there pitching yesterday. I guess the question is, how does he come out of that? Uh, so far, good news. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, gave up a few pretty hard hit balls, but, you know, as he sort of settled down, it was good to see. And, you know, obviously, he's going to have to like fast forward his abbreviated camp, but we are hopeful that, um, you know, he is someone that, that can contribute here maybe second time or third time through the rotation. So Daniel Ponce de kind of holds that down for the time being, right? So you're looking at a rotation. I don't know the order necessarily uh, is set in stone, but you're looking at something like Flaherty, Wainwright, Martinez, Gant, and Ponce to get things started. That, as of right now, that's the way it's pointed, yeah. Exactly. And, and then you know, just see where it goes. And then Miles Michaelis becomes uh, part of that conversation, too, because the, it's not really known when he would return. Right, Mo? I would say, you know, fingers crossed, Miles is, you know, towards end of April, early May would be, you know, best case scenario. And, you know, he's progressing. He's feeling good. He like he had a full intensity toss today. He's hoping to get uh, uh, on the on the mound sometime in the next few days to do a bullpen, and then it's if, if all goes well, the way to think about it is is basically now he has to start his spring training, and, and so you know typically those are anywhere from uh, you know thirty to forty days, and as we were talking about it this morning, I mean the the, the you always want to like kind of mentally you want to rush people and get them going, but you'd rather have him available for good sometime in May than try to push him and then have him take two steps backwards. So it's really going to require some patience. Um, it's going to require some, some diligence on his part to, to, and communicate and let us know exactly where he is. But fingers crossed sometime in uh, late April, early May. Cardinals going into this season on April 1st with the starting rotation, and we'll see where it goes from there. And that, of course, goes hand-in-hand hand with the bullpen. you got to be able to pitch a little deeper into games to give your bullpen a fighting chance. That bullpen will fight. I mean, that's a that's one of the strong points of your team, just from what we can see right now, isn't it, John? I mean, you, you have some real weapons that you can bring out of that bullpen. Yeah, I would say, like, like from just a horsepower standpoint, it's been, you know, really impressive. You know, the one thing about this camp that as, as we turn the page to regular season, you hope we see more strikes, um, just a little bit more efficiency. But they're well aware of what they need to work on, and and that'll be just something that's, you know, always ongoing. But, you know, certainly been impressed with the Hicks, Reyes's, um, Cabrera, Helsley, I mean, you know, you're seeing some firepower and that's, you know, what we were hoping to have. And and so ultimately, um, I think our bullpen has a lot of balance, some experience, but um, very talented. We're going to hear the broadcast here coming up and Matthew Libertor is making the start today. Wayno moved to tomorrow with Carlos backing him up against the Mets. That's an earlier start tomorrow at 11.05. But Matthew uh, pitches today at 12.05. And from what I can see from here in St. Louis, just watching on video, 
He's got some good stuff. I mean, if he if he's locating, this is a very talented individual that you acquired in that uh, well-documented Rosarena trade, but he has some some ability that you can see why you picked him up. Yeah, the interesting thing with him is, you know, he's still maturing and, and growing, but he can spin it. And, you know, lefties that can throw curveballs tend to have uh, success in this league. So I think, like, when you're watching him today, where's his fastball command? Um, you know, where's his fastball velocity? But overall, you know, he has a swing and miss breaking ball, and, and that gives him a chance. So, you know, you hate to put so much pressure on him because of the Rosarena trade. Um, but he is someone that, you know, ultimately we do feel like he's going to be a, a, a positive contributor at the major league level. Yeah, a lot of people are buzzing about uh, Matthew Libertor even uh, you know, over the last, uh, even before he started pitching in spring training. There's still, I mean, I, we had Whitey Herzog on the show that was saying, I, I would just hold on for a moment before you make a determination on Matthew Libertor. This kid is talented, and Whitey hears it from a lot of people across, as do you, which is why you picked him up. Uh, what about lefty bat uh, coming off the bench? That individual is Matt Carpenter, uh, but I know that you like the look of Justin Williams, and I know that uh, lefty bat's very important right now for your team. How do you view your bench situation? Yeah, it's a little tricky to get into publicly right now because mm-hmm. we're trying to to narrow down our roster and and speak with all individuals. Um, we started that this morning, did not get everybody completed prior to today's game. So I am hopeful by, you know, worst case tomorrow, be able to announce exactly what we're thinking about. But, you know, high level, obviously Matt Carpenter from a pure production standpoint hasn't had the kind of camp he, he would like to have had. Uh, but clearly he's, you know, a left-handed threat off the bench. And then you, you you mentioned Justin Williams. I think he has had a nice camp. And so, you know, as we round out this roster, um, we do feel like we'll have some flexibility off the bench. Definitely respect that. And uh, that's uh, to come a little bit later. And then you have the game tomorrow and then off you go. And it's on to Cincinnati for the start of the season. And then just overall, again, uh, I'll knock on wood here, but it's been a, a very pleasant Spring from a, a protocol standpoint, hasn't it, John? I mean, I think overall, um, you know, things are going to happen from time to time and as we see in college basketball right now and in other sports. Uh, but uh, so far, I mean, the, the operation that that you had to put forward seems to have worked. You know, it, it has. It's been very different. Um, you know, obviously, fingers crossed that, that we can have access to that vaccine sooner rather than later. And uh, hopeful of that, because I do think um, having a little bit of, of relaxed protocols would will make it a little bit more enjoyable. And needless to say, I mean, last year we went through through it over a, a 60 game period. And this year we're being asked to do it over 162. And I just think like for everybody's well-being, it would be nice to know that that um, the, the team and staff is, is vaccinated and, and a lot of those rules could be relaxed. I hear that. Uh, we can't wait to see you when you come to St. Louis on April 8th. Again, I'll refer people to the KMOX Sports Facebook page, also on our Twitter page, the Garage Happy Hour with John Mosellock, uh, talking about uh, his background, about his affiliation and his love for the Cardinals organization, and a lot of good stuff in there, a lot of good nuggets, except for the fact that I was the only one having a drink in my hand, and, and Mo, uh, I, I've got a gift coming your way. 
<laughs> well, that I look forward to. And, uh, of course, I always like catching up. And uh, I'm going to head in my car and head down to this game. All right. Enjoy. Thank you. All right, Tommy. Thank you. Appreciate Bye-bye. it. John Mozalek with us on Sports on a Sunday morning. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and hear from the Cardinals manager, Mike Schilt, as we get into Cardinal baseball at 1155. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. Oh, yeah! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. It's 11.45, so we heard what the front office had to say about this team. John Mosellock, kind enough to join us live. Let's go to the field staff and manager Mike Schiltz talking things over with the media. Mike, uh, will Wayne O be going about the same distance as uh, Flaherty did last night? Uh, yeah. He, um, He's pitching tomorrow, just so you know. Um, and yes, he will go by the same amount of work. Who's pitching today? Uh, Libertor is going to start. I don't know if you guys got different information. And if you did, I apologize. Uh, can you explain that for us then? Um, what what happens to Martinez then? Is he not starting any more games uh, down here? Um, That's correct. Yeah, just, I mean, you know, there's only so many games, right? So yeah. um, it just uh, worked out where Wayno's lined up for the, tomorrow. And um, whether you lined up given an open day today, and that's pretty much how it worked out. What's the rest of your pitching look like for today then? All right, you got um, Woody and then Hicks and Webby, and uh, you may see a Tommy Parsons sighting. All right. Thanks. Yep. Cool. This is Mike Schilt visiting your media lineup, but I'm assuming that Libertor is going to hit. Is that would that be the case? That's incorrect. Incorrect. Okay, will you be doing? Yeah, we'll be doing it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that leads into my question. I guess are you, are you struck by how few at bats pitchers have gotten for National League teams this spring? Do you, do you make anything of that? Um, you mean outside of our team? Yeah, pretty much. You're the only team that is. Yeah, has you know it's interesting. I talk to the pitchers, our pitchers. They're like, we want more bats, and I'm like, um, you're getting as much as anybody. Um, but uh, you know, they're always going to want to hit. You know, look, Derek, I've got a full time job with our club. Um, I really don't think I have noticed um, that other teams aren't really being active with their pitchers in games. Um, I'm sure they're satisfying them in other other areas. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's been noted that you know teams have been less uh, aggressive with their pitchers, you know, getting bats, and you know we wanted to get our guys. I mean, like I said, our guys always want more bats, but um, you know, most of them have had a couple three turns to get at bats, um, and and get a feel for getting in that box, and and we feel really good about the work they've been able to do. We've been pretty aggressive with them, um, away from the field with their with their pitchers' offense, so. Um, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's it's uh, been interesting. You expect to solidify your roster after tomorrow's game, before tomorrow's game? Is that something that you will do even on Tuesday? How how do you look at this? I wouldn't be surprised if you heard any, uh, a roster announcement um, at some point, maybe even later after our game today. Mike Schilt with the media. It, it's possible. Maybe my question is moot after what you just said, Mike, but how do you balance putting together your lineups here in the last few games of camp 
when you want to get your regulars build up to play a full nine innings, but you still have some guys who are in a, a hot competition for roster spots. Um, I think we've done that. I mean, um, you know, we've, we've played our regulars. I mean, last night uh, we pinch ran for Goldie and Nolan. Um, but, I mean, we've had almost every regular play at least one game of nine um, and a couple play two, Yachty included. So um, they're built up to play their nine. Um, today will be a little bit of a blow day for some of those guys where the, you know, day game after the night game, we don't need to get to that point. Eddie will be back in there today, get a couple three at bats. Uh, and then tomorrow we'll get, um, you know, a couple bats for the regulars and, and get on our way to Cincinnati. But, you know, as far as the competition goes and still evaluating, you know, we've basically had 22 games for that to happen and, and 39 days. And to the point earlier, I feel like we've got a pretty good handle on what we have and, and uh, you know, in bulk, the decisions have been made. Thank you. Yes, sir. Max, since we haven't seen the lineup, is Carp playing today? He is playing today. Yes, sir. Okay. And what, what do you have a kind of an overall thought about where he is as we end spring and going into the season? Um, probably a far better place than, than a lot of people would be, you know, and Carp's, um, Carp's taken rightful, um, uh, ownership of the process and believing in it. And, you know, look, we're not naive that, you know, you say, well, the process hadn't yield, yielded results, but the process is, has yielded a lot of balls that have been hit hard. And, and, you know, look, if you can start to control the ball after it leaves the bat, let us know. Cause we'd love to get some of that. Um, yeah, you know, he's, he's in a good spot mentally. He's ready. He's, he's understanding his, um, opportunities and is ready for him. Um, like our whole team is, and he's ready to compete today, and he's got a good level head about where he's at and what he's doing, and, and um, you know, we'll get him at bass today, and hopefully he can hit him even, as the old saying goes, hit him where they ain't today. Jeff Jones? Hey, Mike, just to follow on that real quick, is Carpenter DH today, or are he and Tommy both in the field? Uh, they're both in the field. Carpenter's it- playing third, and Eddie's playing second. Cardinals manager Mike Schilt with the media. Another carp question. Um, Mike, he came here um, when we talked to him at the beginning of camp. He said that his goal was to show that the lineup was better with him in, in it, with him in it. He has obviously had, you know, we can all see the numbers from this spring. Where does he leave spring as far as his role? Is is that something that he can he's gonna have to use the season to create a larger role with you guys? Yeah, I mean, we I've talked to Carp about it. You know, some, most of that will stay fairly private. But, um, you know, Eddie's going to be our opening day second baseman, which brings Carp off the bench by process of elimination. And, you know, let's don't minimize the importance of that, you know, that role and that responsibility and that opportunity. And he's done it well. You know, Carp's done it well in the last several years. He's done it in his career. Um, but he's really been in that position um, to do that in the last couple of years. He's had some big hits off the bench for us. Um, and so that'll be an opportunity for him to get his at bats. Um, you know, of course, he can the other good thing about Carp is he can play third. He's doing it today. He, he may go over and get some innings at first if he wants them. Either way, he's competent at both positions and he can, he's got, you know, clearly back at second base. So, you know, we have everyday guys there that, that um, like to play and um, we expect to be in the lineup consistently. But when those guys get blows, he'll, he'll get in there and, and compete in those areas come off the bench and, and, you know, like we've talked about, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable and confident that 
it's a long season and, and Carp will stay ready to go and, and um, opportunities will present itself and I'm, I'm confident he'll take advantage of them. Cardinals manager Mike Schiltz showing support there for Matt Carpenter who is in the lineup today batting third and playing third base batting fifth I should say and playing third base for the Cardinals against the Nationals that broadcast is coming up in just a couple of minutes I'm Tom Ackerman thanks for joining us on sports on a Sunday morning what a run there with Mike Kelly and Mike Claiborne or Brian Kelly and Mike Claiborne Kelly Chase Ron Jacober, Mike DeCourcy, John Mosellock. Thank you for joining us. Cardinal Baseball is next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hyundai. 